gonna rock this shit. Gonna scream my name. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make you shout. Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Chris Yukomsik. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. You know I'm all that's left of a family deep in debt To a couple scoundrels very eager to collect They smashed my place to pieces, put a rifle to my cheek While I just sipped a crystal glass of something dark and sweet Well I think their guns were loaded but I Knew my whiskey is drugged Cause I know what it tastes like When it all goes wrong at once Well I woke up stuffed between the cushions of a couch My throat was pretty sore and my teeth were falling out Couch was in the yard right next to the car car was on fire and the flames were dancing hard I was handcuffed to a cinder block while black smoke filled my lungs Now I know what it smells like When it all goes wrong at once Get out of this I'd never seen a lock That I couldn't pick Well my legs were shaking bad You know I could hardly stand But I could choke these dancing flame With these two bruised and calloused hands My mama always told me 
dirty scissors when you run So you always be ready for So you always be ready for So you always be ready for When it all goes wrong at once All right, well, thank you, guys. The Blind Blake team called the Trumpman Blues. Chris on the line. Hey, Chris, how are you? 
Um, pretty good. What about you? I'm doing pretty well. Now, this is the first time I think you've been on our show, and we always start things off by giving our fans an opportunity to get to know you. Get to know you as an artist, get to know you as a person. And the best way to do that is to go and look at your journey, how you got to where you are today in your career. So give us the story of Chris Yakopsik. All right. Well, uh, I guess acoustic blues is what I started with and all I ever, I guess, primarily play. Um, I guess a couple different things I liked uh, when I was, I guess, a teenager. I liked the uh, the David Bromberg album, How Lady You Play Till. Um, he had a couple acoustic songs on there I thought were cool. And then um, I kind of got into the Robert Johnson recordings and uh, a couple of those compilations that were like live at Newport that kind of had Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee and uh, Gary Davis on them. And then live, I remember seeing uh, Fruitland Jackson in Chicago, another acoustic player. And I guess all that is kind of the music that stuck out with me. And I decided to start playing guitar and uh, learn that uh, finger style technique. And then I guess I just started playing mostly uh, a little bit in Pittsburgh. And then I was uh, kind of moving to Dayton, Ohio at that time. And that's where I live now. Okay. And uh, just kind of built it up from there, uh, playing in some bars, and then I got really involved in the local blues societies and uh, their competitions and doing that uh, Memphis IBC thing and combining that with recording and kind of uh, building it up like that. All right. Now, uh, every artist has that moment in their life where that decision to become a musician is um, is kind of seeded by an experience or a certain um, artist that you maybe have saw alive. What was your crossroad moment? What was that moment for you where you really knew this was your path? Um, if I had to narrow it down to a single... I, I mean, I like the records as much as the live. Um, I may be seeing uh, John Hammond live. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of my favorites. Uh, I saw him once in Pittsburgh and then again in Dayton and a couple more times. But um, his performance style is probably the one thing that um, made me want to go in this direction. Okay. Now, uh, when you were putting this this particular release together, uh, this live recording, what was the inspiration to do it? What what kind of prompted you to go this for the, this this live recording? Uh, well, the last record I did was with a drum and bass player, but and that was in the studio and everything, and that was cool, and it went really well and a lot of fun. But it didn't really feel like what I do so much because pretty much everything I do on a stage is by myself kind of just a solo acoustic so I wanted to capture that and doing that in the studio is I guess a little different I think over time I've gotten more comfortable with 
trying to project the performance to an empty room and a microphone. But uh, doing it live with the audience there, I thought would capture more of what I was going for, and I think that was, ended up being successful. Okay. Now, when you sit down to begin writing songs, every songwriter has their way of of tapping into the muse, of, of beginning the process. Um, what is your process when you sit down to write? Oh, I guess it either starts with a piece of a lyric I think is cool, or a little guitar part I, I think sounds good. And then it's a very long process of turning that little piece into something interesting, and then... Uh, getting picky about everything and making sure every lyric makes sense to me and uh, making sure that that rhythm that like I have something interesting in an acoustic guitar rhythm because it's kind of all dependent on me the way I do it live so if I can get some kind of fingerstyle uh, interesting kind of thing over top of the typical blues chords and uh, maybe kind of some clever lyrics and uh, then turn that into a story, I guess, is how I would describe that process. Okay. Now, you know, um, a lot of songwriters have embraced the technology today as tools, whether it's a cell phone or home recording studio. What are some of the tools you have found as a songwriter that have become kind of indispensable to you? Um, A home studio is really nice like a very convenient uh for me it's a computer connected to an interface and then a couple of microphones okay and uh that you know that helps a lot that can i mean the more i record it makes practicing much more efficient for me and uh lets me remember more things i guess (laughs) now um one of the big buzzwords in the industry right now is artificial intelligence. You hear it on the news now. Of course, you have this, you know, the Screen Actors Guild and actors that are, you know, uh, are striking and, you know, they want to uh, limit the use of artificial intelligence in that industry. But in the music industry, as far as songwriters are concerned, they've become um, tools. There are tools out there that help you write lyric, that help you write uh, melodies, orchestrations, chord progressions, yada yada. Where do you see artificial intelligence, and and how is it going to affect the music industry as we move forward? Um, well, I do, I do see it as a tool. Um, I don't think it's anything to be afraid of. It's just uh, the next generation of computing technology and. Um, I haven't used it too much yet. I just haven't had the time to get too far into it. But I would think it will. It's going to catch on. Um, the idea that it's writing a song for you, I don't really think it's true. I think it can help you come up with ideas that you wouldn't have thought of previously. Um, I think if you, when you, I've messed around with these things enough to know that if you tell it to write a song, it's not really interesting or personal. 
Right. Um, but there can be ideas in there that the more, I think the more you use it, just like anything else, maybe it could help you become more efficient. But so much of it, I think, is finding something that lets you produce an honest performance. And that's where it's most efficient right now. Um, yeah, I have nothing against it, but I think it's limited based on my experience with it. Yeah, you know, I agree. I, you know, I could see it as a as a tool. Um, even Ed Sheeran uh, had admitted in a uh, interview on Swedish radio that he utilized these uh, AI tools in lyrics as an idea generator. You know, you you spit out some of these AI lyrics, and there are rough gems that 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 are in the chafe you know what i mean you know we as songwriters we're constantly looking for inspiration or ideas in conversation or just overhearing something or even looking at memes on the internet you know they can come up with a song idea so you know having that inspiration i think is is uh, just another way of 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 feeding the uh the songwriting uh monster let's say you know yeah when it's when you have one line left and you need the right word and the right rhythm and it, you spent three weeks on it maybe having something else look at it in a completely different way for you would lead you to the correct answer or something like that <laughs> yeah now um a lot of writers they they get hung up on when to stop, when to you know move the song from that writing phase over to the production phase and give it to the band and the producer and allow them to kind of uh, put their fingerprints on it. What do you do to determine when a song is ready, when it's ready to move from the writing phase and go into that that next phase of its life? Um, it's, I think for me, it's when I'm performing it and it's sounding like something I like. Like, I'll always be pickier, I think, than the audience on little things because they don't really know what I'm comparing it to in my head. And when it starts to sound like what I'm comparing it to in my head, I'm usually pretty happy with it. And then... Again, being playing by myself so much, uh, there's really nothing stopping me from changing it at any time. So there's a couple tracks on this uh, live album that I did on the previous uh, studio recording. And some of the words are different. Uh, some of the verses are changed up. And it's just kind of uh, maybe a reminiscence of kind of if you find a Lightning Hopkins track, uh, he'll do it 10 different ways on 10 different recordings. And... I'll always, if I think I can make the song better, I'll just do it. Um, it, I'm not so worried about what it sounded like five years ago. So, to me, like, that's what I like. One of the things I like about blues a lot is I think there's more freedom there for us to do that sort of thing. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, getting it out there. Um, 
once you get this recorded, you have to, of course, you know, you have to get it to radio and press and create the buzz. And uh, you're working with Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon. Tell me a little bit about that relationship. Yeah, um, this is the second album I've done with her, and I thought the first one went really well. And so I guess this is my third album now, and then she would have done my second and now my third. My first one, I didn't do any of that. I might have sent it to a few radio stations I knew of, but starting with her made me realize how how much more work it could potentially be to uh, get the music all over the country and in the world in some cases so um yeah i was really happy with how it went um and i guess that was a while ago 2015 and then um i had this new one coming up so yeah she was the first person i contacted and had room uh, around now in her schedule so uh it was time to sign back up again okay now um let's talk about the industry a little bit um as a musician, you're out there touring. What is the biggest hurdle you're finding right now in the music industry today that that you that you wish you had a way around, a way to kind of rectify? Um. Well, I guess acoustic blues is not the most popular music, but it is my favorite. <laughs> so. If maybe there was a way to I don't know, maybe find the smaller group of acoustic blues fans faster, that would be nice. I think everybody wants to find their fans faster. I don't think that's particularly unique, but I play around the area um, converting to a long-term tour schedule where everything is efficient and uh, not spaced out and you can get that done quickly, that would be something that would really be helpful. Um, I know that's also a struggle. (laughs) But it's always fun to play and uh, everything takes longer than you want it to. (laughs) But uh, I guess those are the things that come to mind on that. Okay. Now, you know, one of the big issues I, I've found in the industry right now is um, streaming and, and how it, um, the revenue that we get from streaming. Um, you know, it's a double-edged sword because we have access to a huge market of potential fans, but the revenue from streaming is not really a sustainable business model. You know, we can't continue to ask artists to make content and not give them at least the opportunity to break even, uh, which I think is is really kind of wrong. What do you... Um, what do you think of this whole world and, and how consumers are now looking at recorded music, not as a product anymore, but as a service? How has that shift in perception affected you as an artist? Um, well, I think I have noticed it a little bit in terms of physical sales over the past maybe four years. Um maybe where I started to see a little bit of a dip 
but I mean, it's just, yeah, it's hard for someone like me. I like music. I'm always going to find records and uh, CDs and want the real product uh, because that's what I like. And I think there's probably still a small sub-market that is interested in that sort of thing like me. But then I'm also on YouTube a lot of the time. I can instantly search for anything I want, and it's right there. And I also value that greatly, the fact that I can listen to anything from any time period. That's always the first place I'm going to look. Um, and then there's the whole Spotify thing, I guess. Rates are a bit low, and if I could raise them, I would. But it's what we have, and it's what the market's dictated. So I definitely, if I'm going to develop a revenue model for what I think I'm going to make, I uh, it, the first thing I think of is pay from live shows. Um, so, I mean, I guess it has changed the way I think a little bit in terms of the CD is more of a, has become more of a little bit of a marketing thing as opposed to a consumer product, even though I do sell from the stage. Um, that's kind of, I guess, my thoughts on that. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, uh, if you look at the digital revolution in its timeline, uh, one of the things that seemed to jump out at me is the fact that it constantly changed. I mean, we started out with, like, Napster and LimeWire. And, you know, that whole world of, of file sharing was, was huge back in, in the 90s. And everyone was saying, oh, you can't get rid of this. It's the Internet. It's not... You know, it's there's no one person. It's just all over the place. And then along comes Apple with the iTunes and the iPod and 99-cent downloads. And the whole industry had, you know, gravitated towards that. And it became the new business model. And everyone screamed, oh, we'll never get rid of Apple because, you know, it's a big company and they own the music industry and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then along comes Spotify. And, you know, now those iPods are sitting in, you know, the, the kitchen junk drawer collecting, you know, dust. Um, so we know that there's something going to come down the pike. And I'm watching some of the technology, one of which is these new streaming services that are based on the blockchain, that technology that cryptocurrency uses. And one of the big advantages of this is that it is decentralized. In other words, no one company can own it. No person can own it. It's owned by the users and by the people who put up the content. That's who owns the service. And they claim that they can pay up to 80% of the incoming revenue directly back to the artist. What do you think of that as a potential business model for the future? Um, I think, I guess it has potential. If uh, I think it, take, it would take a lot of musicians signing on together. If, if what you mean by it would be the uh, musicians actually have the, bring in the revenue. I guess if it's based on plays the way Spotify is, 
I could see that being a natural shift. Well, um, yeah. yeah, the um, the ones that I'm that I'm watching, like Audius, um, Emanate, uh, Audiolux, like Audius has the backing right now of you know Katy Perry, Jason Derulo, a lot of the EDM artists. So it's starting to gain some traction, and just like every other new technology in the music industry, you know, its adoption is going to be at the artist level, I think. Um, I think a lot of the major labels are not really on board yet, but it's just a matter of time. Uh, These services are up, they're running, they're functioning. Uh, A lot of artists are going up there that are independent, Uh, a lot of EDM. Uh, in fact, I put my podcast up on Audius, um, and it's free. It doesn't cost anything to put it up there, and it's uh, it's it's a great platform. Um, and it's you know it's going to be interesting to see where the future of the industry goes, because we definitely can't continue to use the current business model because it's not like I said earlier, not sustainable. You know. Yeah, I guess it'll be interesting to see. I guess. So for the blockchain strength for banking, I guess, is the fact that no one can hide anything. I guess I'm just wondering how the that blockchain data structure is uh, applies to increased revenue for us. But I guess maybe it's just the idea that it's taking it away from the label and more for the musician. Well, yeah. I mean, if you look at the guy who owns Spotify, I mean, he's making more money than the top 20 artists on his platform. You know, it's it's really, you know, that corporate structure where they, you know, they made deals with, you know, the record labels. The record labels bought stock in, in Spotify. So, you know, they're kind of running the ship. Whereas with this decentralization of of um, the industry or the streaming, um, this will really kind of um, take that away from them, uh, which would make it a little harder for them to adopt to it. But as artists start to take more control over their career, this is a natural progression where they're going to get paid more for their their work, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe it'll work out. <laughs> I hope so. Now, um, one of the things um, that happened when the pandemic hit is that a lot of us headed up to the Internet. We started doing live streams, and the live streams got a little better. And then, you know, as the months turned into years, we started to realize that the fan base wanted a little more. They wanted uh, a consistency. They wanted that raw, authentic kind of content that they were used to in their reality shows that they watch on television. So, you know, artists started to give content that showed, you know, their their hobbies and their their families, their pets, their barnyard animals, their you know their activities while they were on you know hiatus from the pandemic you know the things they did and hikes and 
you know, so on and so forth. What are some of the things that you are doing utilizing content and social media to kind of get the word out on this new release? Um, yeah, I guess that's something I started doing more so this year than any other. Maybe I did a lot of practicing, uh, voice practicing and um, a little bit of writing during that pandemic. I didn't jump on with the weekly live streams, but uh, I started getting more into that recently. Um, I started using the Facebook page and YouTube a lot more this year because I think I thought I came up with something I wanted to share and uh, I thought it was uh, worth putting the time into that and I think it's been going well. I drank uh, those uh, Facebook Reels or those uh, shorts on YouTube. Those are nice because it kind of lets you do a quick piece of a song and uh, send it out and it tests it out for you quickly and some of them do really well and some of them don't at all. I'm still working on figuring out what the magic thing is but uh, Mm -hmm. That, that's been really, you know, semi-entertaining to uh, see if I can grow the fan base a little bit that way. And uh, I started out with a little one-minute single verse of a blues song series. I kind of made it look decent in, uh, in my basement home studio with a kind of a light and a camera on me. And those were doing well. And then I started playing live more and started doing live clips. But I'll, uh, I'll keep going with that. That's my main thing for, uh, I guess, increasing visibility. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love it. You know what? Just turn it up loud. Have some fun. Color 
on but a front teeth a crown of gold Take a little walk in my direction Overtake a lot of your sweet time I'll take a little walk in my direction Well, but take a lot of your sweet time Get to have you on my mind well, I've just been laying in the daisies Watching petals fall all over my face well, I've been laying in the daisies, baby Counting the petals that fall on my face 
But it smell like a rotten landfill Compared to how your sweet time tastes To my shadow from a rooster to dinner bell. I've been talking to my shadow from a rooster to dinner bell. And I might lose my mind if it didn't stick to you so well. Tomorrow too. Well, I don't mind the wait now, baby. But next time I think I'll come to you. Whether you're an independent artist 
or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Shout now, honey. Gonna make- 